like to welcome everyone to Helium Health's first webinar, um, hopefully first of many to come. Um, We've been having like tons of webinars um, ever since, but I mean, we finally got around to it. Um, thank you for everyone who's joined in. Um, and thank you to our panelists uh, for being here. Um, I'm going to, oh, hi. Hi, Dr. Roberts. So that's Dr. Oni is also here yep. from the US. Um, welcome, Dr. Oni. Um, Dr. Alera Roberts is um, here in Lagos, she's local. Um, and Dr. Oni is um, from the US, uh, like I mentioned earlier. Um, I was saying something earlier to Dr. Oni that, I mean, we shared the same name. I actually shared something with um, both panelists. I shared the um, last name with Dr. Oni. Um, and I mean, Dr. Roberts taught me in school. Um, so, and I, and I always say, she doesn't know this, right? I was telling um, one of my colleagues the other day that um, the reason why I'm a doctor, part of the reason why I'm a doctor is called Dr. Roberts. Um, I had this, um, really, really, like I had this um, public health exam, I think it was microbiology or so, back in school. And um, she asked me a question three times, just to let my head boot. Let my brain boot. Um, and on bedtime, I finally got it. And um, I mean, for that reason, I didn't have to, I didn't have to, I mean, repeat that part. <laughs> so I always, really, really. So thank you, Dr. Roberts. Um, so I'm going to go ahead. Um, today, um, we're trying to, well, healthcare facilities and um, challenges having during this period. Um, I'm going to go ahead to introduce our panelists. Um, Dr. Roberts is Dr. Roberts is like a public health physician in in Lagos. She's currently with um, Lagos State University Teaching Hospital, um, and she's the second vice chairman of um, the public health physicians. Um, she's currently at the forefront of COVID um, and she's been really busy for being honest. Um, she's a, she was a graduate of College of Medicine, um, University of Lagos, um, started her professional career in 1985, um, rising from medical hospital to hospital um, administrator of a private hospital in Lagos. Um, she thought she could definitely give more and then went back and did an MPH in 2000, year 2000 and joined the University of Lagos, the Department of um, Community Health and Primary Care, uh, which is under the Faculty of Clinical uh, Sciences. Uh, she, she's presently a senior lecturer and consultant to Lagos University Teaching Hospital. Um, and she's involved in service delivery and uh, research largely on child survival, looking at early infant and young child uh, nutrition. Like I said earlier, she's second vice chairman of the Association of Public Health um, Physicians, the Lagos State Chapter, and she's the vice president of the Wellbeing Foundation for Africa, which is a non-government um, organization that works to improve uh, maternal healthcare. 
So welcome again, um, Dr. Roberts. It's nice to have you. Thank you, Thank you very uh, much. On our very, on our very first uh, webinar, uh, we're delighted. Um, That's impressive. That, that, Dr. Roberts doesn't look old, um, um, old enough to have those amazing <laughs> accomplishments. So I'm impressed, very impressed. Uh, don't worry, I'm old. <laughs> Well, I uh, guess I'm using uh, a particularly very I'm using a particularly efficient form of makeup. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm I'm very very impressed. I I just aspire to look just as young as you after <laughs> after. Uh, <laughs> yep, good. So, Dr. Roberts, you think that's a compliment, Ma? Most definitely. Am I? Am I? Keep doing am what I, you're doing. Thank you, Michelle. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. So um, our second panelist is um, Dr. Julius Oni, an assist, assistant professor of orthopedic surgery, um, medical director of orthopedic surgery as well at the John Hopkins Bayview Hospital. And he's the chair of orthopedic surgery at, um, of the Diversity Council. Um, and He's currently leading um, the battle for COVID in Maryland. And um, he's also a has a research fellowship from the University of Iowa Department of uh, Biochemistry, um, research fellowship for National Cancer Institute. Um, he became a doctor at Howard um, College of Medicine um, and did his residency at um, New York Hospital for Joint Diseases. Um, welcome, Dr. Oni. It's nice to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, let me, just a, a few corrections there. First, uh, okay. the University of Iowa and the uh, National Institute of Health Research Fellowships were probably when I was in undergrad. So, so back in oh, uh, wow. the, the early 2000s, right? So. Uh, and 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 late nineties. So, but uh, uh, and uh, the the um, with with regards to COVID, I uh, the true heroes are, are like the you know public health officials and the nurses and the critical care doctors taking care of patients. Uh, and we can talk a little more about that. But you know, as an orthopedic surgeon, my utility is somewhat uh, li limited in the sense that I'm only doing emergency surgeries and and uh and no elective surgeries but um I, i'll take it um uh, but and I'm, I'm sure i could still you know uh comment a little bit about how this is affecting all of us but thank you for the, the nice introduction appreciate it thank you for thank you for being here sir and like you said, like emergency surgeries and emergency physicians are um, far from COVID, to be honest, right? It's first point of call at any hospital, um, especially in emergencies. Yeah. Um, so yeah. definitely, definitely, you can definitely um, add uh, to what we're doing here. Um, yeah. So we're going to delve into it. Um, what, what challenges um, healthcare in Africa um, that this pandemic basically has brought to light? So basically, we have... Um, a lot of issues with healthcare system in in Nigeria and in Africa as a, as a whole. And I like to say um, that COVID nineteen has basically 
um, brought to light so many things that have been covered. Um, what challenges do you think, for instance, you can help us point out um, that if not for the fact that um, they were there, um, things would have been better? Do you want me to start first? Yes, maybe first. Oh, wow, thank you. Well, this is one of my um, pet pain, pain points in terms of service delivery. It's one of the things that informed my going back into um, an academic career, thinking that, well, there was no point staying on the outside complaining and not doing what I could to rectify the situation. So starting from the very beginning, we have any health system requires men, materials, and money. So any of the three that you take were clearly deficient. In terms of the manpower, we're losing both numbers and quality of manpower. So, you mm. know, this is a decades-old problem. The Ebola started the highlights, and COVID has served to underscore a lot of what you know a lot of what we've been complaining about over the past few decades i mean i know in my undergraduate days as a medical student i was part of the crowds that went onto the streets at the time when dr emmanuel linson was the health minister to protest the um, service conditions and we were protesting service conditions for all health uh, resources health um, human resources generally has anything changed from then till now? Hardly, certainly not enough. The declaration uh, that countries should put a minimum of 15% of their income into health was declared in Abuja. Even Nigeria has not even attained 7.5% to health. You know, and. Um, these are the situations that you, we, we, we are talking about here. Then we come to the materials. Needless to say, it, there's no, it's, it's an open secret. Uh, and the issue with materials that we are finding is that because health is on the concurrent list, federal procures for tertiary, states should procure for general, secondary healthcare, and local governments procure for primary healthcare. I mean, enough said and then we are talking about the funding and we realize that even the funding doesn't even match what it should should be in terms of the and the majority of the funding still goes to um, remuneration and allowances it doesn't really go to capital projects as such so where do we want to start we train this the the, the doctors and I think what is reversely satisfactory is that when our young graduate doctors take the professional exams for the US and the UK and Canada, they pass spectacularly well, end up in these countries and do spectacularly well, which is a testimony to the quality of education they get as undergraduates. But we're literally training uh, medical resources for the world. Thank you very much, Ma. Thank you very much, Ma. And just to recap, you said men, materials, and money. So everybody listening, that's the problem we have. We're training a lot of healthcare physicians um, who end up leaving the country, which eventually adds to the brain drain we're experiencing. Um, 
materials. I, They're not enough supplies. Go ahead, go ahead, sir. No, I mean, I, I think Dr. Roberts said it all, but I just wanted to augment some of the things she said. I think she was actually generous by ascribing 7.5% of uh, the budget the budget on healthcare to, to the government. I think as of 2018, I think we spent, Nigeria in particular, spent about 3.9% of its uh, budget on healthcare. And, uh, and when you look at healthcare as a fraction of GDP, it's actually less than 1%. I think the number is actually more like 0.7%. So there's been a chronic underfunding or lack of investment in uh, healthcare, public and private healthcare infrastructure in the country. And that's been one of the biggest challenges, no questions about it. Um, this has subsequently led to a slow but significant erosion of trust in the system. On the provider side, many of whom, I'm, and I'm talking here about doctors, nurses, other healthcare providers, many of whom are like leaving in droves, just like uh, uh, Dr. Roberts um, I, uh, uh, mentioned earlier. And, 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 and on the patient side, many of whom are not ac accessing the healthcare systems at all, either because of cost issues or be because they presented a little too late because obviously cost related issues or just not trusting the system. And then for those that can afford it, a lot of them are seeking other options via medical tourism. So um, it, it, a combination of those facts uh, uh, make, it makes it very, very difficult to, to have the system advance as you would want it to. Also, healthcare financing is like a significant challenge. I mean, 70% of patients or more still pays out of pocket for healthcare services. You know, there are no social safety nets um, for the for poor folks. Um, and, and, and the current health insurance systems are relatively poorly managed. Um, and so, and then you add on top of that, you know, um, the fact that mass internet connectivity is still, you know, a, a little bit of a significant issue. Yes, most people have mobile phones, but how many people actually have reliable internet connectivity that could, you know, um, help us use technology to leapfrog some of these challenges? you know that, that that continues to be a significant challenge so we could continue to list those challenges but i think uh that is a nice little short list of some of the things that continue to plague us in 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 nigeria in particular but certainly africa as all It seems it become the um, doc, thank, doc, thank uh, you so uh, much, Dr. Tony. Thank you very much. Um, and like we, we said earlier, um, all these challenges. Dr. Ibukun, your, um, your uh, connection seems to be a little Can problematic. I, hello? Yep. 
Can everyone hear me? Yeah, now we can, yeah. Is it better now? It, it, okay. It's, okay. It, it appears so. So like we yeah. said earlier, like all these challenges that we've listed have only been made. Okay. Dr. Roberts, um, I think you muted because I can't hear you. <laughs> well, I was going to I was going to say something because it appears um it seems uh, it seems like bandwidth uh, is low. Yeah, you know these are some of the again you you did uh, you you mentioned this <laughs> in what you said and this is clearly what's going I think on. I, I think I spoke it into existence. I'm sorry. But, this is, but the question he was, I, I think he was about to ask is that the deficiencies in the health system, of course, have been brought mm -hmm. to the fore by the coronavirus yeah. epidemic. And, you know, Excellent. one of the things that is clearly happening right now, as he, he said, I work at the emergency mm -hmm. operations center, which means mm -hmm. I also have to be a little careful about what I say because Absolutely. I'm not um, permitted Absolutely. freely or, Absolutely. you know, and I'm certainly not permitted to pass on my own personal opinion which I should hope I do not do. But, you know, the fact still remains is that there, there are certain things that we're seeing that are giving us a good chance and yet not a good chance. So one of the things that has been uh, uh, certainly obvious is that we're not seeing the um, dead bodies falling in the streets. So reasons. Why are we not seeing dead bodies falling in the streets? We're extremely grateful that we're not seeing that, but we are not seeing that. A lot of the people we have in the isolation centers are what I call the walking well, asymptomatic or very mildly symptomatic. The deaths that we are seeing have been among people who were clearly, who clearly had the risk factors for severe disease. So we haven't seen a deviation from the so far established pattern of behavior of coronavirus. These are things that we can leverage on, and indeed in Lagos State, we have leveraged on. To, to ramp up our response in terms of um, ramping up the number of beds available for isolation, ramping up our skills in terms of testing, tracking, tracing, isolating, and managing. We've trained ooh, almost a thousand extra healthcare workers from physicians down to ward assistants in uh, infection prevention, control, and case management, which is an opportunity we would not have had if we had not had the virus. So everything has its pros and cons. Where we are on the testing is very controversial right now. And controversial only in the sense that because this is a disease that has led to global shortages, production, manufacture, transportation, logistics management, and all the rest of it. And this was a disease that nobody knew was coming. So nobody could have planned for in terms of having you know testing materials in store anywhere so now you know we're competing with the rest of the world for scarce resources we've done well in that sense not as well as we would like to have done but the question now is could we have done better and that actually is a very very difficult question to answer because as a public health physician 
the first thing I would say is that, are we treating the test or the patient? And if we're treating the patient, then what are we treating the patient with? So let's get on with deploying our scarce resources to treating the patient. You know, the, the test for, for, for us in, is, is more of an epidemiological tool. It does help with the disease management, but in the absence of the test, we should be able to continue treating the patient. So it's, very, it's a very difficult question to answer. In an ideal world, test, test, test. I totally agree. But we don't live in an ideal world. Ibuku, are you back online? Have you managed it? Not yet. I think it, it was back for a second, and then uh, I think it when may have been. It, it's off again. Yeah, absolutely. So, so there you go. Hi. Uh, so now, um, Ibuku here. Um, okay. Um, so let me just, while um, Ibuku is trying to reconnect, so that. Okay, okay Ibuku, are you back? Thank you so much. Okay. I, I think Ibukun is still, its connection is still somewhat uh, slow, well, uh, I think. Slow, slow, I think. Okay. 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 Hello? Can, I, can anybody hear me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we can hear you, Ugo. Okay, so let me just uh, step in for Ibukun while he's trying to uh, fix the, the internet issues. So I think uh, the next question he wanted to ask is that, so um, how, you know, you, you, both of you are medical doctors, both of you are on the front line of this. What sort of tool has, has this uh, pandemic? Again, like uh, Dr. Roberts just said, we're dealing with something that we've never seen before. What sort of tool has it taken on you personally? Has it taken on your practice? Uh, how has it changed the way you view the world and the way you view uh, uh, and the, the, the calling of medicine, as it were. I mean, um, Dr. Roberts, do you want to go? <laughs> okay, excellent. So, uh, well, for me personally, um, I mean, my typical practice is 90% um, hips and knees um, replacement surgery. So I... Uh, I typically do, you know, over 400 surgeries a year, typically. So it's a high volume practice. Um, so, and for the past, you know, um, eight to eight, eight years at the least, um, that's, that's, that's been my identity. So this, uh, and, and with the pandemic now, we've essentially had to stop elective surgeries and essentially moved to mostly doing tr only trauma surgeries and, and um, emergency sur um, orthopedic surgery. So um, initially, uh, and, and in my particular institution, we went to doing two weeks on, two weeks off, just to make sure that we're not exposing the entire um, um, staff to, to issues uh, to, or to, to the infection. Um, and, and so it's, it's been, I mean, the initial two weeks off was very challenging in the sense that, um, you know, just like everybody else, you, you know, I, I went through a little bit of an identity crisis, you know, I'm used to working hard, running around all the time. And all of a sudden you're, um, in a forced vacation where you can't even, you know, do most of the things that you love to do. So, um, but I quickly got out of that funk and uh, I found very unique ways to keep myself nice and productive. 
now I'm playing the piano a lot more. I'm taking some online courses. Uh, there's a few, couple of nice free online courses, uh, Harvard, uh, uh, where you, uh, you know, uh, and, and I'm, uh, I'm also working on quite a bit of research. We've submitted a lot of papers in the time that we, uh, we've been home. And, and uh, I'm finding, I'm, you know, finding that I'm getting to spend some time with family and also get to uh, plan for when everything opens back up again. Um, and, and, and more than ever, um, this has renewed my, um, my, my passion to make sure that we are improving the, the quality of healthcare in, in, in Nigeria. And, and to many extents, um, the rest of Africa. Uh, and just to, a little bit about that, I've been coming back to Nigeria since 2011. Um, the, at that time, I was finishing up my training and I was doing a little bit of teaching. Um, and since I've been in practice, I've been coming back um, multiple times a year, uh, multiple times uh, to, to actually um, um, help with clinical care. So. It's, uh, 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 it's a passion of mine. I, I do believe that the, the, the solutions to our problems post-pandemic and even throughout this pandemic is going to be combining the, the forces of our brilliant colleagues on ground and um, um, the resources and, and forces of our um, colleagues um, in diaspora. I think that's going to be uh, collaborate, colla collaboration between both of those populations is going to be um, one of the ways that we solve a lot of our problems in Nigeria. Okay. Um, if I, I'm so glad I let you go first, Dr. Ani, because <laughs> I must confess the impact on my practice has been the complete opposite in every <laughs> single way possible. I don't even remember what my piano looks like. <laughs> Where did I toss it? So, I mean, we've been working the front line. And I think what has been, you know, it, it was so funny. Two days ago, a friend of mine who I haven't spoken to in about this since this thing started called me. And, you know, I just looked at the call and I decided, whatever. And I picked it up. And the first question she asked me was, Alero, how are you doing? And I burst into tears, you know? Mm. And that was when I realized that there had been that amount of mental and emotional pressure, which of course, hey, I'm Alero Robert, you know? I, 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 I can do this, I, I've got a hand on this. I mean, this is my work, I keep telling everybody, Nobody pays us extra to do this. This is what we do. We're public health physicians. We're out there. We're in the community. We're boots on ground. We're, we're translating the message of government to the language of the people. We're giving them practical examples of when they say respiratory hygiene. You know, we're the ones breaking it down and telling the people what it means and within their contextual framework, what they can use. When they say, wash your hands with soap and running water, and we're dealing with communities that haven't got water, we're giving them, we do this. This is, this is what we've been doing. And you know, this is what I teach. This is who I am. Until so my friend asked me, Alero, how are you doing? And I just broke down. So there has been a huge impact. And I think what then came home to me was that among the team 
that I'd been working with and colleagues I'd been working with, the medical officers of health in 20 LGAs and 57, you know, 37 LCDAs, the registrars in public health in both the Lagos University Teaching Hospital and the Lagos State University Teaching Hospital and colleagues in academia and colleagues in practice. Almost 47% of them have tested positive for the wow. coronavirus. So they're actually being hit, you know, and we're grateful that we're not seeing the degrees of severity we're seeing in the US, UK and Europe, but it's a scary thought that, oh my goodness, we do know that the difference between sailing along asymptomatic and mild, and even, uh, you know, shifting to moderate or severe or critical is really the roll of the dice, the luck of the draw. And so that has had a huge impact on us. Add to that the fact that we've never really been appreciated, not as a profession and not as a sub-profession, a, a, a specialty. Never really, you know, they, they, you know, things like this happen and they say, oh, we're the public health physicians and as soon as it's sorted out, boom, everything goes back to normal. So we're not getting the kind of support that we know we can get even within our contextual framework of where we are now. I mean, the government is dashing out money, but to who? You know, when we said, we, you know, they say palliatives, we were the first to say, you don't have a database. You don't have a distribution network. You don't know who these people are. You don't know where they are. And you are not getting in touch with the people who do know where they are. We're not relevant. Except, go be the first, be the cannon fodder, first at the front line, you know, so that when the, you know, proverbial hits the proverbial, it's all on you. And these are the things that, you know, over the period, this has lasted longer than we expected. We honestly thought, because we contained the index case that came to Nigeria, that lovely Italian man, we contained that infection so completely. Then, you know, faulty government policies led to an importation of the virus literally from all over the world. And from the get-go, we had been saying We've got public health physicians in all levels of government and in all, from the get-go we've been saying, can we sort out our entry points? We need to strengthen our point of entry. That call went completely unheeded. We need to sort out, went completely unheeded. We need to, went completely unheeded. And now we're looking at, you're bringing in, I mean, Trump giving us 250 ventilators and all of us are sitting like this. Can you use an ventilator without an intensivist, an anesthesiologist, somebody trained? Do we even have the biomedical engineers to keep those ventilators going? Where are we mm. going to put them? Do we have the power systems? Where's the oxygen supply? Water? So you bring in 250 ventilators, we'll cut the ribbon, a whole bunch of government functionaries wearing N95 masks on their chin, We'll go and stand at the airport and receive them. Everybody will clap. It could go on the news media at night. Then they'll go into a warehouse, and then you'll find that some directors, associate directors, assistant directors, are feeling out through the back door. So how do we turn this thing to money? It's happened before. 
<laughs> happening again, and I don't see an end to it. So you're asking me for impact? Sorry, guys. I'm relying on that the was... generation after me. You guys that I taught. Stand your ground. Demand accountability. Ask questions, hard questions. Name and shame. Put it out. You guys are good on social media. Don't keep quiet. I'm done. Thank you so much, man. That was that was that was heartfelt. I'm sure all the participants felt that. I was almost moved to tears. And I cry for the slightest thing. So <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much, man, for the input. And thank you, Dr. Oni. Yeah, we de we, de we definitely appreciate you for your uh, for your service. I mean, that's incredible. Yes, uh, we do, we do, we do. Thank you, thank you, and thank you again. And hopefully, um, God willing, we write this out and we're able to see um, somewhat something close to the new normal, something better than what we've seen now as the new normal. Hopefully, um, quickly moving on to the next question. Um, I'd like to know, um, asking our uh, two panelists, what do you think um, the healthcare industry and systems needs to put in place to be able to get or ride out this pandemic in the absence, especially in the absence of a treatment or vaccine? Um, Dr. Lara, do you want to go? Well, it's going to be a little difficult because we've already lost a lot of the brain power that we need and even the health, human resources for health. We, we, I, we keep talking about the brain drain amongst the doctors. We haven't even begun to understand the impact of the brain drain amongst the nurses and the scientists. We've lost a lot of brain power in this country and this is not brain power that you replace by going to a supermarket and picking it off the shelf. The best, the only way we're going to be able to do it the way India did it and Jordan and countries like that, where you literally ask your own citizens out there to come back home. But in order to do so, can you provide them with the necessary lifestyle? And bear in mind that nobody enters the health space expecting a flashy, you know, pop star type of lifestyle. But you do want good schools for your children to go to. You want to live in a safe neighborhood. You do prefer running water from a tap, electricity by the touch of a switch. You understand what I'm saying? And if you can't provide those basic amenities, you really can't ask your citizens to come home and sacrifice. And they're not in a, in a situation where they simply get the short end of the stick. They see everything that's going on. They ask for accountability and transparency and they are tossed aside and disregarded. It's happened to a lot of my classmates because yes, we all trained in the College of Medicine. I don't think we're up to 10% of my classmates who are still in country. A lot of them want to return because they're getting to the end of their professional careers and have still many of them still have aging parents. But return to what? They can't get a house in a decent neighborhood. You know, so these are the, these are the things that it's not going to be easy to put in place. So we're going to have to start again and grow it organically from the younger generation. The, you know, and we're talking not just the human resources for health. We're talking of innovative ways of funding health facilities. So we do have the public-private 
partnership plan and, and policy in place. And we can leverage on that a lot. And I do encourage a lot of you. There are all sorts of interesting and innovative ways. Dr. Julius Oli, don't just come, do a few surgeries, teach a few registrars and go back. Partner with them because there's a lot of stuff now. Thank God, Zoom, WebEx, whatever, Microsoft Teams and Google Meet have expanded their services. So there's a lot more that can be done in partnership electronically over the airwaves that maintains a health facility to the standard here that you get over there. You know, and even working backwards into investing in medical students, nursing students, you know, students in the health sciences. And encouraging a lot of our youngsters to go into biomedical engineering. I promise you, that's the new space. That's the new space because everything medical is now investigative. So we're looking at new imaging techniques. New imaging techniques means new weird and wonderful machinery that needs to be built and maintained. You know, so that's the new space. So I'm trying to encourage many, many young people to go into the biomedical space. The science space is huge. And funnily enough, in many parts of the world, people who go into science have far better qualifications than those who go into medicine. Because I keep saying medicine is a practice. We practice what the scientist tells us, tells us works. So those are the areas that I'm hoping in the next five years, perhaps I'm being ambitious, <laughs> would, would, would work, I, would move. I, I, think, I think your points are absolutely well taken and they're spot on. Um, I think for those those of us that are coming in the generations after you, we are um, very optimistic um, that there there is a way to collaborate, to get the to to leverage the resources and the expertise of the diaspora um, Nigerian doctors and and combine it with the resourcefulness, the intelligence, the brilliance of the local doctors. And, 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 and come up with in, innovative solutions that way. Um, we are already working on a lot of initiatives um, towards that hand. Um, and, and I do believe that the private sector is going to have to lead um, um, the way, um, uh, but the government is obviously going to have to create the enabling business environment and an enabling regulatory environment. <laughs> Uh, to to facilitate that 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 move, and I I think as the private sector gets better and better, as we come up with innovative ways to fix the old healthcare financing um, and infrastructure problem, then the public sector will have no choice but to match up somewhat. Also, that's what I think the future is going to be. In the meantime, in the absence of all of that, we have to just continue to educate with the leadership of folks like Dr. Robert, um, the patients, the, you know, the, 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 I mean, the pu public and the population and the um, healthcare staff, you know, um, just like Dr. Robert said earlier, we have to continue to social distance as much as is possible, you know, given the limitations, we have to continue to wash our hands and perform significant hand hygiene. We have to continue to use masks as, as much as we can to, prevent um, contagion, and we have to leverage telemedicine, just like Dr. Roberts said earlier, to try to bridge the gap as much as we can. And we, the, the investment in, in the healthcare infrastructure needs to start today. 
because for the first time in a long time, um, or for the first time ever, the politicians and the private sector industry leaders have been forced to actually face their healthcare infrastructure Thank that you. they've <laughs> that they've 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 neglected all along. Yes, so yes, yes. so hopefully this is a wake up call for them that you know what even if I, if you have a private jet you can't go anywhere right now and guess what even after the pandemic is over even if you have a private jet you still need about 6 hours of approval to get that jet ready if you were to have an emergency and you will still have to travel another 6 hours or 5 hours to the UK or the closest place that you usually go to so you may not have 12 hours really to survive. <laughs> so the best investment will be to make sure that the, 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 the healthcare infrastructure on ground is solid. And I think some people are starting to wake up to that fact. So um, uh, I, I, I am very hopeful, um, albeit cautiously, <laughs> um, but I am very hopeful that, that this will be a wake up call that post-pandemic that we are going to see a significant leapfrogging of um, our healthcare challenges, leveraging technology and uh, the unique collaborations between diaspora, you know, um, Nigerians and our fantastic uh, colleagues on ground. So there, there are some questions that um, Christopher Albert put up, which I think- Thank are you so much, thank you so much. Shall I go ahead? Yeah, please. Uh, there are some questions that Christopher Albert put up that um, I yes, think are pertinent that I think, you know, would answer. And to be honest with you, you know, you get to an age in life where you do get tired. And um, that I'm tired and you're not is perfectly normal. And what, <laughs> what gives us hope in the long run. But, you know, Excellent. Christopher's asking, I would like someone to share data that shows how many people have died aside from coronavirus in the last two, six weeks. That actually is a very important question. And let me tell you, sir, I'm not allowed to share the data because it's not my place to share it. But it's a question that we had asked from the very beginning when we started seeing that we were not getting the trajectories that the, the, that the Western world were getting. And we started thinking, is there really an excess of deaths? In, and of course, we can look at Lagos State because we have that data, you know. And it was one of the things that led, I know led to His Excellency the Governor asking families to come and evacuate the morgues and bury their dead so that we could actually see whether there was an excess of deaths year on year. And the truth of the matter is that without giving specifics, I, I, I don't have the specifics to hand, we haven't seen really an excess of deaths at all, you know. From, from in this period, year on year. In fact, I think in some areas, they're even reporting a decrease because we haven't had as many road traffic accidents or trauma cases that we, we would normally have seen at this time. And, you know, with the Easter and whatnot, there were usually some quite a bit of, you know, mortality, but which we, mm -hmm. we haven't seen. So the, 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 the numbers aren't polished out yet and they will come out from the coroner's office, I'm sure. In due, in due course, but you are very correct. That is a very, very pertinent question indeed. And so far, it doesn't look as if we have an excess of deaths from the coronavirus or, I mean, year on year, all-cause mortality. 
So patients with cardiovascular diseases and uh, chronic cases and the non-communicable diseases, that is actually the biggest problem that we have had, the inability to be able to um, um, send patients. And now it's twofold. The, the most important one is that most and generally we find that clients, Nigerians, negotiants, don't want to go to hospital unless it's absolutely push comes to shove, quarter to dead, then they go. And of course they go, the outcomes are poor and we get a whole truckload of bad attitude and that's what happens. Mm -hmm. uh, um, in order to not waste a good opportunity and a good crisis, this is the time we've been telling people, sort out your health service and your health care uh, issues now. Get onto, get your favorite healthcare provider, you know, whether public or private, on speed dial. Make sure you have finances, insurance in place. This is the time to do it because it is clearly evident that when things happen, you are going to be at the back of the queue in terms of getting health Okay. Now, many of the private uh, clinics that were forced to close because they ended up seeing patients who turned out to have COVID and then an infection got in. When you drill down and ask the questions, they weren't seeing random walking patients. These were people known to them to whom they owed a duty of care. Mm -hmm. So the random walkings are the ones who are finding it very, very difficult. My phone, I'm sure you've noticed that I've been trying to you know, field phone calls throughout this webinar because people haven't seen my name, gotten my number, are now calling, oh, they have a headache, their mother has a shoulder ache, their father has a pain in the knee. What do you want me to do now? I don't know who your family doctor is. You don't have insurance. These are the questions. So how is it, this is the time now. For Lagos State, I will blatantly say, go and sign up to the Lagos State Health Insurance Agency or get a local HMO. There are enough lovely doctors. What's the name of your own? Tremendog, Doctora, Bobby Health, all these um, remote uh, networks of doctors. People should sign up and pay because it's cheaper to pay the little now to register and be insured than to pay the huge sums of money and then not get so speaking to that man speaking to that man yeah the, the connection is okay. not uh, major yeah and then how do healthcare facilities go about their daily business go to it's, the doctor website this is fantastic, man. It's fantastic, man, because that takes us to the next question. What you just said. Ibuku, we didn't really hear you, but we can't hear you, Ibuku. Yeah. Yeah. So can you type it onto the chat so that we can see it? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, and, and also um, just to let you know, I, I I'm gonna have to kind of head out in about. Uh, 10 minutes or so because I have to see some patients but um, via telemedicine just like we were talking about That's but it. Dr. Yeah, that this, this is fantastic because can you hear me now? Yeah, unfortunately it keeps breaking up uh, Ibuko Oh, Dr. Tumbeoni. 
so um, I'm going to go ahead and answer this last question, um, last three questions, very, very quickly. Healthcare facilities go about their daily business. Get onto the WHO website. There are resources for healthcare facilities on cleaning and sanitizing these premises and managing your patient flow, use of masks, use of PPE, who needs it, where you need it, and whatnot. Get onto the who.int website. It is there. Now, Mr. Layo Guremi, clinical pharmacist working in the UK. Thank you. You see, you are the kind of people who are missing back home. And um, the question you have is on RO calculations. RO calculations will be very useful if we were able to test to capacity, and we're not. Because the RO calculations, which is what determines how much infectivity and how many people one infected person is, is, uh, is uh, infecting, very, very important if you can test to capacity. So our RO calculations are not really uh, as accurate as we would like them to be because we have no idea of how many people out there are actually infected and how many people they are then infecting. So the issue is that what we're using to determine our, our lockdown system is basically the level of severity that we're looking at and um, the number of positives per number of uh, uh, tests that we do. Not very accurate, but it's what we have and is what we're doing. And then the last question about whether the deaths are reported for COVID. We have the number of COVID deaths. Right? That is deaths among patients who were uh, uh, tested and found to be positive corona. And then we have the all-cause mortality. And we know we have a fraction of deaths. That's what we say, dead, death with COVID coronavirus but may not necessarily have been of coronavirus. But those are details that they will come out in due course as uh, the numbers continue to come in. How do you leverage telemedicine when people don't even have access to a phone or data? Good question. Can't say a word, but there is a certain telco that's offering very, very fantastic rates on data. Research, find out, get that. And there are some nice phones again from that part of the world that were we, we that started all of this that uh, are not that expensive people should invest in their health because this may be the only way you can see a doctor imagine now at least if dr julius oni agrees to take me on as a client he can actually <laughs> he can actually i can actually consult him for my hip and knee problems which are becoming quite well, you, you, you don't seem to have any, but, but um, I'm more than happy to take care of you. But, but, uh, but yeah, I do agree with you. I think, I think telemedicine is here to stay even after the pandemic. I think there's only going to be an, a bigger explosion and bigger um, um, availability of um, telemedicine uh, um, um, options. And this is only going to uh, um, reduce the cost associated with it. Because when you have competition, what, what, come, what comes down is price. So I think uh, people should explore the telemedicine um, options. There are a few websites out there that actually lists, they, they list all the telemedicine options in Nigeria. Um, and I'm sure in the, in the coming months, you're going to see many, many more um, options. I know for sure that um, Helium Health also has some uh, telemedicine uh, uh, um, um, platform that they, they recently instituted, and that should uh, uh, hopefully contribute to the, to, to the um, available options. 
So, and, and just one more thing to add with regards to what Dr. Roberts said, with, um, for the institutions that need to protect themselves, um, going to the WHO website is great. And, and, and figuring out ways to screen the patients before they even come into the facilities so, so that you can appropriately protect both the staff and the patients and avoid any uh, uh, closure due to uh, COVID scares. It's going to be very important for um, um, healthcare facilities as they open. And so, um, but I think, uh, I think Dr. Roberts uh, kind of, you know, did a fantastic summary of, of, of all the issues that, 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 that come to fore when, when you think about this uh, particular disease. Um, and I think this is just the beginning. I think we're going to see hopefully a revolution in the healthcare space. There's already the under, underpinnings of some of it with the, with the introduction of a lot of the healthcare startups that started in the last three years. But certainly, I think uh, there's going to be some consolidation of efforts and some new um, um, uh, um, investments um, put into healthcare in the coming months to years. And, and my hope, I'm, I'm super optimistic, is that, you know, come, you know, three to five years from now, we're going to start seeing the the beginnings of, of a healthcare system that we are proud to be associated with. Thank, uh, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Julius. Thank you so much, Dr. Roberts. I know, Dr. Julius, you have to run in a, a about four minutes. But like, I, yeah. I, I want to ask this question, and it's, it's speaking back of what you uh, said and what Dr. Roberts said in terms of like the, the effect uh, this has had on medical professionals and when Dr. Roberts talked about not being appreciated. Do you think there are any long-term, do do, are we looking at any long-term change just to the nature of medicine and to the nature of doc, uh, medical professionals in terms of the psychology and in terms of, is this, what I'm trying to say is, is this a profession that is becoming more attractive or, and to the people that already exist there, what do you think are the biggest long-term effects we will see from people like yourself, just in terms of the psychology? Yeah, I mean, I, I, just from Dr. Roberts' response earlier, you could see that this is not without its associated psychological traumas when you're on the front lines of, uh, of a pandemic like this. And um, believe you me, uh, this is not going to be the last uh, pandemic that we're going to experience. So it, it, it is absolutely imperative that we take a lot of lessons away from this particular scare and, and, and prepare for uh, um, future um, potential uh, um, similar uh, um, um, pandemics or disease processes. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we're going to need the help of a lot of our psychiatrists and psychologists and psychotherapists to, to heal from this, uh, uh, the psychological traumas associated with this. But I'm very optimistic that there's still a, a, a future where a lot of young people go into, health, in, into the healthcare space. I, not just as doctors or nurses, but as biomedical engineers, like Dr. Roberts mentioned earlier, as um, 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 as healthcare uh, um, community volunteers, you know, who are at the front lines with the populations, and and and, and you're going to see people kind of run the gamut, run the hierarchy of the healthcare um, um, continuum. So I think 
the future is bright. A lot of young people are going to, because we do it for the passion of it. Yes, is it sometimes lucrative? It could be. Um, but 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 in, but in some in many cases we do this because we absolutely passionate about it. I tell my residents and my trainees all the time that I would still do this if I didn't get paid for it. You know, um, because I I you know replacing people's hips and knees for me um, is my happy place when I'm in the uh, in the operating room. So same thing for Dr. Roberts. I'm sure when she's on the front lines doing a public health work. She's super passionate about it. That's her happy place. And you could tell just from when she talks about it. So there's going to be a lot more people in the same boats coming after us. And uh, I, I, I look forward to that. So I'm uh, sorry to take so much time, but yeah, Dr. Roberts. Hello, Dr. Roberts. Yeah, I think you're you back online, Ibukun. I'm going to hand it over to you because yes. I'm going to another meeting in two minutes. Yeah, me oh, too. Thank you, <laughs> no, no problem. We're even act we're actually pretty much done. Um, I just yes. know how because I mean this is we're in the middle of a pandemic and we are getting we 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 asked two doctors uh to devote an hour to us. So I can't even understand the amount of sacrifice it's taking for you to give us this one hour. And we really appreciate it. We, 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 like, we can't imagine the type of work that you're having to deal with. And we are really grateful for everything that you, you're doing. Uh, those that have gone unseen, uh, the, all the many years that you have done it, uh, we are really grateful. On behalf of the entire team at Helium Health, uh, everyone that works on our team, we want to say a big thank you for giving us this one hour of your time. We know it means a lot. Thank you so, so much. Uh, Ibukon, uh, over to you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Roberts. Thank you, Dr. Nia. Thank you, Ibukun. Really appreciate it. You guys have a fantastic day. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, too. you for having me. And thank you for listening to all my rantings. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thanks so much.